are back. This is the fourth episode. We're almost, we're at the halfway point. We are, before we started recording, we're literally at the halfway point. And back with me are Craig and Jim and Daryl. Hello. And an additional guest, my buddy Glenn. What's up? Hey. Nice to be back. Yeah, it's been too long since we've had you on the show. It has. But we pulled you out of retirement to talk about A New Hope, um, or Star Wars, as we all call it. I still say Star Wars. Wars. If I say Star Wars, I mean mean episode four. When we went to see, look, when we went to see the movie in the theater, what did the sign on the the theater say? Star Wars. Wars. When we bought it on VHS, what did the VHS box say? On the VHS, it says Star Wars. It says Star Wars. What did your T-shirt say that you wore when after you saw the movie? What did it say? It said nerd. No, it said Star Wars. Oh, yeah, and it's, it also said nerd, but I mean, yeah. in, in more of a subtle way. Not, not, yeah. not what other people said. What did oh. the shirt say? So, in yeah, in my mind, that movie is always going to be called Star Wars. So, henceforth, we will call it for this episode for this podcast, Star Wars. Is that it? Is that what we're Unless doing? You want me up in your grill? Uh, <laughs> listen, Jim, I don't want you anywhere near my grill, man. Okay, you're a big dude. That's it. Well, I want you in my grill. If you're gonna cook. <laughs> Wrong grill. So, you're a chef. So, some of us were born. I guess four out of the of the five of us were born, and one of us was not. Um, and I was I was really hoping. I'm going to keep my eye out. I'm hoping Jordan joins us because I really wanted to get like another perspective of somebody that wasn't around when it hit. Um. But Glenn, you're the you're the newbie to to this round of shows. So what one of the things we've been doing is just kind of talking about like not not so much the movie itself, um, but just kind of like where we were when we saw it. How many t- you know how many times do we, you know? Obviously for this, we didn't uh, wait in line for tickets ahead of time and and all this. And um, but you were you were definitely alive and around uh, when when this one came out. So what what was what do you remember about 1977? Gosh, that was. Uh... Living in New York, uh, Queens, New York, and uh, I guess I was about nine years old at that time. And I went—I remember it clearly because I think—I think it's like one of the first movies I went out without my parents. I, I went with a friend, and uh, we went and bought tickets, and really knew nothing about the movie. And uh, I was just floored. Uh, I remember coming out of there thinking, "What the hell the force was?" But <laughs> I couldn't quite grasp it. But uh, you know, I knew at that point that. That was now my favorite movie, <laughs> and it, and to this day it is. Wow. Craig, what about you? Since you weren't around for the for the craziness, yeah, uh, and the and the waiting in line for hours, uh, you know, outside. What, what like when did you see it first, and what, kind of what were your impressions? Because obviously, at that you know, by the time you saw it, I'm sure it wasn't, uh, you know, that there had been a lot of imitators and a lot of stuff that came after. Right. I mean, I remember I was born in 81, just just to get that out there. So uh, I guess my father saw it in theaters back in in 77, I guess it came out. When I got old enough, I guess four, five, six, seven, whatever age it was, I started to be able to appreciate this. We used to go to the video store. uh, I remember and we used to rent the the, the tapes. So I mean, I rented Star Wars. I, I can't remember how many times I rented that tape. And then, of course, Empire Strikes Back. And Return of the Jedi, and then I wait a few months and I rent them again. It's like I, I I wanted to see them over and over again. It was something that me and my father could share together. Um, so it's been a part of my life since I was a youngster, uh, a la the VHS world. 
and the rental VHS world. And I, and I do remember the first copy that I ever owned was this three VHS box set. It had a black, kind of black background on it, and it was before the special editions. So it was kind of this cleaned up version, but it was pre-special edition, and it was a three-set box. And that was really special when I got that for Christmas one year to actually own the tapes. That was a big deal. But uh, that was my first experience with Star Wars, and uh, I've been a fan ever since. Daryl, what about you? Uh, I, th- I Well, I didn't see it in 73. I was just born then. But um, I, it was in a movie theater for a while, so I rem- I don't remember exactly what year I saw it in, but I remember I think they had re-released it again in the theaters. Oh yeah, like every year for a yeah. while, it was like yeah. a big yeah a big thing. And I remember waiting online, and I just remember getting on my mother's last nerve. Are we going yet? Are we going yet? We're waiting out here for. It. Let's go, let's go. And I remember sitting down and just. Like, as soon as I saw those ships come in, like, every time I see, I rewatch Star Wars, I remember how excited I got when I saw those ships attacking, and then I saw those troopers who couldn't shoot. (laughs) (laughs) And then I know when I saw Dark Vader, that was it. Like, that was, that was the thing. I I knew from then on. Plus, I was a star, I was a sci-fi fan anyway, and I had watched a lot of the repeats of uh, Star Trek and, and whatnot, and, everything space related before and after that. So this was it for me. Senior Dietz. I was nine years old living in Coral Springs, Florida. And I'm just going to say, I probably wasn't as supervised as I probably should have been, but uh, I'm not, I won't go into too many details there, but I remember seeing it in the theater uh, by my, by myself and then pretty much spending that whole summer seeing it again and again and again as many times as I could. I remember my friends and I like going to see it and then like the the place where we were seeing it at was in a mall and there were like five screens on one side and five screens on the other and like half the screens were all showing Star Wars. So we'd go, we'd watch it, we'd go to the bathroom and then come out and go to another theater and watch it again. Well, could you watch it repeatedly? I remember being able to sit in the same theater and just keep watching. Yeah, because yeah, because I remember when I was a kid, we'd come in like sometimes late and we'd stay and watch the beginning part of the movie we'd missed, you know. Oh, my mother. But we would, my friend, my 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 little hoodlum friends and I would stay all day at the theater <laughs> doing that, watching Star Wars over and over and over, drinking um, beer, <laughs> smoking no, cigarettes. No. Getting into fisticuffs with the uh, <laughs> the mean streets of Florida. Yeah, yeah right. Popping wheelies <laughs> on my trike, you know. That's right. <laughs> we run speed, this baby. Theater. This ain't no trike. This is a three speed. Okay, we run it. Run yeah. this movie again. We run this theater now. <laughs> <laughs> Who runs part of town anyway? <laughs> um, but I mean, it was the fr- it was the movie that that engendered my love of cinema overall and made me realize. Before that, I had watched movies, but I'd never really like experienced a movie. You know what I mean? And that was when. I first realized what, you know, movies could do really, you know, just kind of transport you to another world. And then when it, when it came out, it was kind of a, a surprise that it was as big a hit as it was. And like, I remember just devouring anything Star Wars I could find, you know, like I remember famous monsters of Filmland put out a commemorative Star Wars edition, uh, which basically just showed like press photo, black and white press photos from the movie. And they're like bombastic forest, Jay Ackerman style, like Stan Lee style editorializing about the movie and then comparing it to movies like Metropolis and other movies that I had never heard of as a nine or 10 year old. Um, 
I remember Starlog Magazine having the cover story. I think it was like issue seven or eight um, when Star Wars came out of the X-Wing on the cover. And, uh, you know, just like anything I could find. And then the early bird special with the, the action figures because they didn't have the toys out in time uh, because it took like a year to make the toys. It's such an empty box. They, yeah, basically, you sent off the, the, the you sent off you sent them your money, and they send you back this empty box in like a diorama stand. Yep, yep, I and had that. You would set it up, and you would wait, and you'd wait patiently until like I think it was March or April until they actually sent you your action figures. Uh, but yeah, that's why I got that for Christmas that year because my parents could not find any Star Wars action figures. Um, but I just anything I could find Star Wars, I, I devoured. I remember Splinter of the Mind's Eye came out in paperback. I read it in like an, a day. Yeah, know? I love, I love that. Uh-huh. One. It's like one of the first books, I guess, that came out, huh? And then I was yeah, crushed yeah. that it wasn't going to be the next movie because I was like, <laughs> oh, that would have been so cool. But um, yeah, it just it it changed everything for me. That movie. I saw it, <clears throat> so I was I was almost five. I was born in July. And so I, I don't remember when I actually saw it because I know, you know, it came out May 25th, but it was one of those, like, it wasn't everywhere. It was like on a few screens and then it just was this thing that just kept building, building, building and, and spread out. So at some point my dad took my brother and I, and so I was, I was probably almost five. My brother was like three um, and he took it and I, I was like some of the earliest memories I have as a, as a human being are, are tied to sitting in that theater and remembering bits and pieces and just being blown away. I mean, from that point on, like my childhood, especially my early childhood was just nothing but star Wars. I mean, kind of like you, Jim, I devoured everything. I mean, if there was something on TV, if there was a book, a magazine, um, you know, the toys, uh, I, I was really fascinated. Even, even that young in the, you know, in the years to come, just like the behind the scenes stuff. Like I wanted to know how they did that, you know, because, you know, even if I've, you're like, okay, I know they didn't go out into outer space and film all this stuff. Uh, And so it was just fascinating to me to learn how they did it. And and over the years, learning more and more, you know, about how they used all these techniques and most of them had been around, you know, since the dawn of film, they just were able to perfect them and, and, and to, and to do all this stuff. To me, that's just what, what fascinated uh, me and I remember we only see it in the theater once, and then the re-release came out, and my we went and saw it at the drive-in, and I thought that was just the coolest thing to see, especially you know the opening sequence on that on that drive-in screen was pretty pretty just amazing. I mean that I remember like very vividly. Now was it a drive-in that had that little speaker that clipped oh, yeah. your car oh, yeah. window? Okay, all right, yeah, that's all they had. Which we had. Yeah, yeah, this is nineteen seventy-eight. That, that's all there was, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all there was, but that's how I rolled back then. Yeah. I know later they had in black and white. Yeah, because later on they had it where you they broadcast it on an FM frequency or an AM frequency, and you that's could tune your. That's what they still do here on the drive-ins. So. Yeah. Okay, and you could tune your car radio in. Wow. Yeah, that was we much actually later. have drive-ins yeah, here. Yeah, they didn't have that wow. technology back then. Yeah, they got rid of that in New York. <laughs> yeah, they're gone. Yeah, as I say, New Jersey too. Their history—they've been long gone. Yeah. There's shopping malls now and condos. You know that. <laughs> that <there>, right. <laughs> uh, in fact, there's one that does like um, all night sci-fi and all night horror movie things in the summertime. It's oh, like it's a, so cool. It's a real party. It's so uh, fun. It's so American. Time. It's such an American thing. You they know play, I mean? they play horror movies all night. You get to hang out with your buddies. You can bring beer. They're cool about it. You know, it's very, very relaxed. Good party time. Oh, but, yeah, yeah driving still around. Um, 
Yeah, it, the, I, I agree with what you're saying, Russ. I mean, my entire like um, hobby, you know, having this hobby of being interested in film, even entertaining, you know, thoughts of going to film school when I was younger or whatever, learning how they did these shots, you know, the motion control and the, the animatronics and everything else. It was just uh, that all started with Star Wars for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was the same way. I mean, when I was a kid, until I, I kind of realized that it was probably not a wise choice career-wise to make, I wanted to be a director. Like, I wanted to make movies. I mean, I just thought that was the coolest thing to, you know, to just be the the brains behind the, you know, the technical aspect of making movies. And um, I, I just, I love film. I mean, and, and, you know, like you're saying, Jim, to me, it's just like that, that's why I love movies like I do. I mean, it's just seeing something that had never been done. And I mean, you know, say what you want about Star Wars, you know, looking back on it. And, you know, we've talked a lot in in the last few episodes about, you know, cheesy dialogue and, um, you know, pacing and things like that. To me, this movie, it's just so perfect. I mean, even looking back on it 38 years later and some change, it, it's amazing how, you know, it was tightly edited. It was a, it, it was a, you know, a solid story. Um, you know, it, it was just kind of the classic, you know, good versus evil story. But, you know, the, the one thing that is hard for people to capture, you know, especially, you know, anybody that's that saw it after the fact, you know, if you saw that for the first time in the late 80s, even or even into the 90s uh, or, or later, it, it I can understand where you look at that and just be like, OK, I don't get it. Like, yeah, it's it's kind of cool. And, you know, there's there's some neat stuff, but you don't get it. Like, you know, when you saw this in 1977, it's like the closest thing to this was probably what, like 2001, a space odyssey, as far as, you know, seeing a movie that kind of portrays special effects wise. Yeah. But I mean, at that point, at that point, sci-fi was star Trek and planet of the apes. (laughs) And star Trek was still a television series. It wasn't even a movie yet. They brought the movie out to to counteract the star Wars phenomenon. Oh yeah. But in yes. 77, like, Star, Star Trek had run its course, and there was, like, the animated series, but there were still books. Yeah. And there were still toys. Uh, Planet of the Apes was very popular in the first half of the 70s and was still kind of carrying through. I remember having some of the Planet of the Apes toys when I was very young. But, like, when it came to sci-fi, that was it. It was, like, you know, dystopian apes and then, like, this uh, utopian future. There wasn't that kind of Buck Rogers swashbuckling space opera kind of, you know, yeah, not fairy, that fairy tale in space. Mean, yeah, it's nothing on world. that scale. Nothing on that scale. Even things like Buck Rogers, it still was based on Earth. Uh, you know, like it, it didn't really open up that right. much for you to see all that you could see in Star Wars. I mean, everywhere on the screen you had something to look at. It was just a spectacle. And it was the first, like, real science fiction movie to look like it was a quote-unquote lived-in universe that I can remember, mm-hmm. like before that, like like you say, two thousand one, everything is very clean, very oh, pristine yeah. in two thousand one. Yeah. Everything is polished, you know, to a high high buff, you know. Um, Star Wars, Star Trek. and you know, Star Trek, same thing, you know, same thing, yeah. The carpet looks great in here, you know, that kind of thing. But you know, the Millennium Falcon was a hunk of junk that you couldn't get, couldn't get to hit the hyperspace half the time. Mm-hmm. You know, everything was dusty and lived in, and that just made it feel so real. You know, it didn't look like a set. And then, like, right, and then other movies like uh, Alien uh, did the same thing and very much, like, helped at it and uh, Outland, you know, things like that. And they all touched a genre, you know, like uh, Star Wars was the sci-fi fantasy and and Alien was the sci-fi horror. But it it all touched a little different genres, which, but still it was, it was in 
surrounded by sci-fi. It was, it was totally engulfed in sci-fi. But and so fiction. many imitators too. I mean, yeah, yeah. Star Crash, Battle Beyond the Stars. Um, I'm just, you know, so many, uh, so many like imitators after the fact trying to catch that us. That came and went. That crashed. They couldn't do right. it. I mean, George calls it a space opera. Isn't that, isn't that what he always classified Star Wars as? It was, it's yeah. not, I mean, it's science fiction. Of course it is, but he, he likes to call it more space opera. And like, what does that mean? I mean, obviously it's more, I mean, the, the John Williams sound score tells part of the story, just the music tells mm-hmm. part of the story. It's not just space battles and lasers in space. I mean, that's part of it, but it's not the whole part of it. You know, there's right. something emotional about that movie when you see Luke looking at the two sons on Tatooine and that, that big score just kind of comes in and it kind of recedes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, there's a lot of emotion in this movie that you didn't have, well, in movies in general, but definitely not sci-fi movies mm-hmm. at that time. Well, plus the 70s was all about realism. I mean, the 70s was uh, the rise of the independent filmmaker. You got, you had Easy Rider kind of, you know, cresting the wave on that. And then all the movies after that, you know, French Connection, Serpico, like, you know, you you riff off all the movies from the, you know, early 70s were all about realism, violence, realistic themes, you know, down to earth, very, very, you know, realistic, gritty type things. And then Star Wars comes along and it's like the total opposite. You know, it's just, Far-flung space opera, and it's just what everybody needed at that point because you know, you know, Vietnam was just ending. You know, there was kind of a, as Jimmy Carter called it, a malaise in the country, as it were. And you know, and, you know, after that steady diet of like you know, gritty, you know, street level, you know, realistic independent films, you know, Star Wars comes out, and it's like this huge breath of fresh air that no one that no one needed. They knew that they needed until it happened. You know what I mean? And it. And it also had that sense of legacy. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, Skywalker trying to fulfill the legacy of his father. Right. Even well, reminded... I mean, it's a classic, like, classic, like Joseph Campbell hero's mm-hmm. journey, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, totally. Well, it reminded me of, uh, I remember the two things I think of a lot with the 70s is The Godfather to me, movies that really affected <laughs> me was The Godfather and Star Wars because mm-hmm. they both had that, there's just that certain look that it had, that both those films had that. They weren't the fastest moving stories, like it. It, but it was important. Like they had the character moments that you remember in each each of those movies. It just had it set up a whole world. It had the legacy thing going on. I was going to say, and you it, know, they both are about sons who have to deal with the, what their fathers exactly. have done. You know, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you can it, it. It really when you see those movies, you remember that. That era, if you were born, you know, in the seventies, you remember it. Like you remember the look of it, you remember the feel of it. You remember, uh, you know, films were starting to push the boundaries. You know, in the seventies, you know, people that were saying you couldn't do this with film. You know, that people were starting to grow up and go, I, I want to do it. I think I can. You know, we can change the way that movies are made, and Star Wars kind of did that. I mean, that really made people reevaluate how they did cinema how they handled films what you could do how you can market your film yeah and all those guys from the usc film school from that like late 60s early 70s class you know coppola lucas um spielberg uh, spielberg Spielberg, uh, amilius you know all those guys zemeckis i mean yeah i mean they were all they were all getting you know getting their deals and getting their studio films made you know, and they came to came to it with a different kind of spirit and a different kind of outlook. Mm-hmm. And you can tell by the movies that they made, you know, from that period. Um, totally it was a real real sea change in in cinema at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at how well, I mean how big Jaws was, how simple of a story Jaws really is, right? But also how perfect of a movie it is, and, yeah. and you know, 
What year was Jaws? 77? Was it the same 75. year? 75. No, 75. So, okay, a couple 75, of years before. yeah, and then okay. Star Wars is 77. But Jaws kind of like set the table for the blockbuster, and then Star Wars kind of fulfilled the p- p- potential. Yeah. Of the you know cinema blockbuster, and you know of course set the precedent for licensing and everything that we have now. That's like such a huge part of you know why and how movies get made, especially you know big temple movies. You know the licensing, the action figures, the spinoffs, you know the sheets, the Happy Meal, etc. I mean, I mean, look at it. Apocalypse Now was in that time, and and yeah, Close Encounters, and Spielberg like, I mean, again, Coppola. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean that really was. <laughs> You know, seventies really had some filmmaking. I mean, some really crazy filmmaking. I mean, Clockwork Orange. Yeah, Cooper. I mean, okay. Yeah, I mean, imagine just just imagine all those movies, those classics that are still, you know, so what was the era of the director? Of the, well, hmm? it was the freedom of the sixties. Kind of through, the, like the like you said, you know, make a good point. The era of the director, like more of the auteur. Mm-hmm. The studio system was dying off. The movies the studio was making were movies that nobody wanted to see. Yeah, the movies that people wanted to see were movies like Easy Rider that were like good, um, you know, like semi, you know, somewhat realistic portrayals of life rather than these giant, you know, confection musicals that Hollywood had been making for years and years and years. And the underdog films were really, you know, exactly. like Rocky and like oh, that's, that's that when independent that's when epic. independent film blossomed. I mean, yeah, you have yeah. Rocky, you have Easy Rider, you have Halloween. I mean, people might laugh, but Halloween was one is one of the biggest grossing movies of all time, and it was made for like. I don't know, a shoestring, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, there's this whole revolution of independent film in the 70s. And then, like I said, these USC film guys are, like, riding the crest of that wave. Um, you know, and, and Lucas, you know, is is at the vanguard with, with Star Wars, obviously, and Spielberg, like I said, and Milius and, and Schrader and, and all those guys, you know. I don't mean to go too deep into film history or whatever, but, I mean... But it's a part of it, though. I mean, Star Wars, you have to. I mean, you have to uh, set the... It, it really explains why, kind of, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you, you have to set where where it is in 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 movie history, because in the seventies that I think that that even Shaft, Enter the Dragon, I mean yeah. that was really carry, you know, the, like all these type of movies, yep. re Mighty Python, uh, the Holy Grail, like all. Look at how all different independently the produced. Were. Those are all independently produced movies you mentioned, and how different the movies were. Mm-hmm. I mean, Superman. You and know, movies like all... that, I mean, well, those movies that you mentioned before, Superman would never have gotten made in the studio system. No, ever. Never. Can you imagine trying no. to take you know like a script like Monty Python, the Holy Grail, to you know? Well, most of these were no's. Yeah, most of these yeah. these were for were people that were told no. This would never work. It would never sell. No one would. Well, they told Lucas it. that too, man. Yeah, you know, yeah. You had to shop it around to everyone, and finally. Yep. It, you know, Alan Ladd uh, Jr. took a, a gamble on it, and then he had to like sign. You know, you know, I don't know, but you know, there was the only, Fox was the only studio that would take a chance on Star Wars. Yeah, mo- I mean, movie execs really. I mean, it changed some of the guard for movie execs because they didn't. They just were growing out. They were stagnant. They didn't know what movie what what um, people wanted to see anymore. I mean, there was it was really the. The pushing the boundaries and, and really bringing new people in to to see these films. I mean, it's... that's why Star Wars was such a surprise when it became such a huge hit, and they, nobody was ready for it with the merchandising and everything. Is because you know yeah. they were so uh, the the studios were so out of touch with what was popular, and then Star Wars catches fire and it caught them all by by surprise. You know? I mean, it's kind of similar. To, it's kind of always been that way, I guess. Every exec they never know what's in favor till it's in favor, <laughs> and then by then. They're playing catch up, and they want everything to be that one thing. 
And it was never it, it was never like that before. I mean, you never mm-hmm. you didn't have action figures going with a movie. I mean, yeah, nope. sure, you know, there were action figures and they were based on movie properties, but mm-hmm. It was almost like an after the fact, you know, we had the Miko, the Migos and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but nothing like this. I mean, when it finally. Well, they thought he was crazy. They, yeah. they, they thought Lucas was crazy for taking that deal. Yeah. Yeah. And, it and just, I, merchandising was just not something they knew. Yeah. And, and it just took off like gangbusters. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at it now and it's like, you know, of course, if there's a cartoon or if there's a movie, there's going to be some, you know, especially a genre movie, there's going to be some merchandising with it. Um, you know, so it's easy to see where, you know, in a sea of, of, of all this stuff, you know, that, that I mean, that's what, you know, the Star Wars stuff kind of went away for a while, you know, in the late mm-hmm. 80s because it just became passe. Like, everybody was doing it. Right. And so, you know, I remember as a kid, you know, right after, you know, like right around, I guess, Empire Strikes Back time, maybe between, you know, that and Return of the Jedi, you'd go to a toy store. And if you wanted action figures, it was Star Wars or G.I. Joe. That's it. That was it. Um, you, you know, or whatever knockoff they were trying to, to sell you as, right. as cheap Star Wars. But it, it's not like now where you go and it's like the Turtles, Star Wars, Marvel stuff, DC stuff, you know, just whatever cartoon is on, is on TV. There's so much choice that it's hard for anything to really stand out. Back then, that was it. If you wanted toys to play with, you were you were either the G.I. Joe kid or you were the Star Wars kid. I've got to tell you, though, my dad, uh, that first Christmas after Star Wars came out, bought me the Ideals S-T-A-R team, star team, because <laughs> he couldn't find any Star Wars stuff. And it looked like a UFO with like this R2-D2 knockoff in it, and then an action figure from, the figure, from that line that looked like a silvery version of Darth Vader. I remember both. You probably, I mean, I'm sure you could find it oh, anyway yeah. now or whatever, yeah. but, but I remember just being like, this isn't Star Wars, dad. And kids know. Kids totally mm-hmm. know. Right away. If there are any parents out there, kids know, man. They know what the real, the real from the fake. Did you, Glenn, did you get like all the toys and stuff like that too? Like, did you collect all that stuff? Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, I love, like the Obi-Wan and stuff, they had the, uh, the lightsaber built into the hand. You just flipped it out and the lightsaber yeah. would oh, come yeah, ahead. Yeah, Got one. <laughs> The vinyl cape. John <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wanted on the to... heater at work at school, and then his hand melted. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, many hours playing with those things. I have, I have two great stories about Star Wars toys. If I can tell them real quick. First of all, when I married my when I was getting ready to marry my wife, we cleaned out her attic, and she had a pristine uh, vinyl collector's case full of Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back action figures. All missing oh, their wow. guns and stuff. I mean, the, the the figures are pristine and clean and out of the box, but no guns, no <laughs> no accessories, none. And uh, she gave me that as like one of our wedding gifts. She gave me for my collection. Nice. Um, my dad bought me a ton of Star Wars toys when I was a kid, and I collected them. It was my main thing. I love Star Wars. And then uh, after a while, uh, we had to move uh, to a new place. My dad put them all in a storage facility. Uh, when, while we're getting settled in a new place and then let that lapse. So somebody, some like real life storage warrior got like a really sweet Star Wars set. But because I lost all the Star Wars toys when I was like 11 or 12 or whatever, I think that's why I collect toys now. And now I have way more toys than I ever did when I was a kid. So. <laughs> what about you, Craig? Did you get any of the, were you, did you get any of the toys or was that kind of like out of favor by the time you kind of got to that age where you were, wanting to collect that stuff well that's what i was going to say it's like by that time it was kind of years 
beyond Return of the Jedi. By the time I was getting old enough to appreciate those type of toys. I know that, though, I want to say this. Star Wars got me so interested into sci-fi that it kind of leaped me into Star Trek. And then that was still going strong during the mid to late 80s and early 90s when I was kind of coming up. And I had a lot of Star Trek stuff. I mean, I was for Halloween, I was Captain Picard and you know, I had all the phasers and the tricorders, but I didn't really have too much Star Wars merchandise or any at all, really. Uh, although I was recently at a comic convention in New Jersey here and these lightsabers that these guys have now, the, these cosplayers, they are no joke. I mean, they, yeah. they make sounds. They're battling with them. I mean, they mm -hmm. didn't have this stuff back then. No. They've got it now with these micro circuits and stuff we've got nowadays. But, wow, it's, it's come a long way even today. I remember so my brother is like two well, I have two brothers but one of my brothers is like two years almost two years younger than me and so like all through you know that whole Star Wars Empire Jedi era it was like birthdays Christmases whatever it was always Star Wars toys I mean you know we'd go to my grandmother's every weekend and you know go to the mall and her, my grandmother and my mom would always be on lookout for like which figure we didn't have and to see if it was there yet and like they had a list in the whole nine yards, and that was back when you know action figures were like a buck twenty nine, or you know, like maybe somebody would have a sale and they'd be ninety nine cents. Uh, you know, not like now where the three and a half inch figures are ten dollars. <laughs> a ridiculous price. Yeah. Well, that's the cheapest. The cheapest action figure. It's yeah. $10. yeah. We got the Millennium Falcon one year for Christmas, and that was like the big. Wasn't thing. it like, great? It, it was so awesome. Like my grandmother, table. Wow. yeah, my grandmother got us that for that was our Christmas present for my grandmother for both of us. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, you put the stickers on it, and it had the you know the the button that oh, made the crappy man. sound, and you know, you put the guy in the chair, and it would turn. I mean, it was just like that was the best Christmas. It was it was awesome, yeah. Because I got that in the Death Star. The same Christmas I got that uh, the Death yes, Star. Yeah, we had that. That was that was um, another Christmas we got the Death Star. Well, we we had a Tie uh, Fighter. I had uh, Darth Vader's Tie Fighter. <laughs> you guys are lucky. I had the figures, but we had to use my sister's Barbie's townhouse as the stage to play all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do what you have to do. That was the Rebel remember, base. <laughs> you do I never, I never, I never got the uh, Millennium Falcon as a kid. But I have one now. Oh, and add to that, I, had a, <laughs> I got an at 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 the same time. All yeah. of and we never, we never, we couldn't get the at at. Like we couldn't. That was like too. That was a little too much. We couldn't. Yeah. Get the I don't know how I got any of that. I was just glad I got it. But it was ridiculous. <laughs> but the Millennium Falcon was cool because you could sweep down. Like so, the the rear struts would like push up into the toy, mm -hmm. and the front one would swing out. So you could almost like hold it as a handle and hold the thing like on yep. your arm you can yeah it was like a yeah. like a missile launcher or something the way you can hold it yeah yeah <sighs> and so cool. I, I um I, the one i have even has the uh the remote ball and the uh the chess table yeah oh yeah 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 because yeah, i mean when you buy them a lot of times i found it at a flea market it was pristine I jumped on it immediately, of course. I bet you did. But let's uh, see, I had, uh, I remember I had the Land of the Jawas playset, I had the Creature Cantina playset that came with the Snaggletooth that, um, yeah. I guess yeah, we had it's that worth, too. worth Boku yeah. bucks now. The little monster in the AT AT was a ripoff, though, because you think it's like some big creature, and then you get it, and it was just some, it had a long neck as eyes, and then it had like little, it was like a mini Loch Ness monster, but it was really tiny. Oh, for the Death Star? Yeah, the, yeah. the Dianoga? Yeah. 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 
And it had the, the pieces of foam that was the garbage that you put in the compactor. The foam that was all over my house and my mother used to always yell at me. Like, yeah. why is this stuff all over my house? What's, what, what is this? It had an elevator. Yeah, it had an elevator. Yeah. Yeah. It had that little thing where you sit, like the little generator for the yeah. the, um, the tractor beam. And you, you could put the figures up there. And it had little holders you could stick the the figure on there and they could be shooting and then i had you, you could put your little figures on the other side have them shooting it shooting at the them. bridge would oh. retract yeah oh my gosh i want to yep. be a kid again <laughs> I, loved, I, loved, I used to really like the, the springs and the wheels of the land speeder it made it look like oh, it was yeah. floating yeah that was yeah cool. that was a school i'd never had one of those i always wanted one but of course we i had the uh, the empire strikes back atari 2600 game Oh. Where you had to go back and forth under the ad ad like fifty times or whatever to take it down. And, oh, my fingers were just bleeding and breaking by the time <laughs> I played that, finished that game. Yeah, remember the, the vector game that they had out? I think you oh, sat that, down and, and you yeah. did the. Uh, oh man, I love that game. Oh, that that was an arcade game, the full size one. Yeah, the vector graphics yes. one. Yeah, that yeah. Was, oh man, wow. I've said it before on, on, on the podcast. I've said it again. If I could afford one vintage uh, old school video game, oh, that, that would be, that would be at the yeah, vector yes. graphics Atari because it had the laser game. disc in there for the sounds. Yes, the sounds. Red yeah, fire, so good. Wow! Wow! Oh crap! I have you now. <laughs> you remember I mean I, I played the Atari 2600 I played the uh, I think it was it was it Empire Strikes Back where you, you're yeah you're fighting the uh, the walkers the, walker. the crew of the walkers yep yeah. right. you just keep going back and forth you just keep keep going to the bottom of the screen and keep shooting them that's all you did and yeah. back then they had no pause or save no oh. no <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't afford that back then uh, <laughs> there weren't enough bits not enough bits for the for pause or save and it was hard to take down those damn ad ads yeah, you had to either shoot it like a thousand times or wait for that little red dot to hit right in the neck. Yes, that little hit. red freaking oh, yeah. dot, man. Oh, it was such a pain. But it was, it was just a – and it's funny. I, I still, to this day, even though I was only like five years old when it happened, to this day I hold a grudge against the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences – for the fact that Star Wars did not get best motion picture in 1977. <laughs> they gave it to Annie Hall, and I was just like, to this day, I was like, I will not watch that movie. I will not watch Annie Hall. I mean, they've always been biased against sci-fi. You know, that, that, that's just... Yeah. Even now. Even now, right. I was just like, oh, how do you not... Like, you look back on it now, and it's just like, it... it I mean, that's, it's a no-brainer. It wasn't I mean, until Return of the King they gave, started giving genre movies even their due, you know? Yeah, it... But, but they like, like to put that in a di- like when they talk about that they like to put that in another. That's because they're British actors. Category, yeah. They kind of <laughs> like it's like it's oh it's opera it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's a special thing. <laughs> it's literature. It's literature. <laughs> but, uh, but, but that yes. always baffled me. It always baffled me because I was like, I mean, obviously biased because it's it it like you know like you were saying, Glenn. It's still my favorite movie of all time. But just the fact that it it. It was so innovative in every way, shape, and form. I mean, from an effect standpoint, from mm-hmm. the way the story was told, from the impact though it had, from on, yeah, from the on impact film. on the culture. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, how do you not say that's the best movie of that year if it if it literally changed everything? I mean, maybe, it, it, it maybe the academy, maybe the academy saw the holiday special. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> 
What, what holiday special? <laughs> I don't remember. I mean, I know I probably watched it, but to, to this you day, see George, I do George not Lucas remember. like waving his hand like a Jedi. There is no holiday special. I don't remember. It's he must have did it to me. You're looking for. He did it to me because I don't remember the holiday special. I remember it. I, oh, I've never I seen sat it. Other than like my nose, like right in front of the TV. I didn't want to miss it. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh man, it was, <laughs> it was Star Wars, and it was I, like you had to watch it. Well, yeah, I, I, I rewatched it about uh, I guess a few months ago, and you know it's it's worse than I remember. <laughs> I don't think I could do it now. I've done enough. What's a Boba Fett cartoon for it? Which isn't very good, but in a sea of really bad, it it's not it's yeah. less bad. It's a kind of wobbly seventies and early seventies animation. Yeah, they must have oh, cut yeah. that thing together in like a day. Yeah. <laughs> Like the whole show. <laughs> oh, come on. The, the rehearsal of Princess Leia's musical numbers alone were a day. <laughs> Let alone be Arthur's song. I remember the droid cartoon. I do remember that. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And I used to be Fox. mad because I'm like, I want the freaking Jedis and Han Solo. And I don't care about these people. <laughs> I used to read the comics, and like there, I remember just like reading the comics and being engrossed in that kind of storyline. And then Empire yeah, Strikes that, Back came out, and it just bye. No, 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 I picked no, up no, that rat, that no, damn that rabbit, that damn rabbit. <laughs> yeah, Job of the Hut was like a dude with gills. Like, yeah, I picked it up thinking I got home. I was so excited because I got to the grocery store, and I opened up that damn book, and I'm like a mother effing rabbit. Like what? what? Hold up! I said something wrong. I'm looking at the thing. It says Star Wars. Now where's the where's the people you? I know. I was so mad. I was so mad. Those comics. It's it's funny because so those are some of the first comics I ever got. My mom. There was a kid that lived across the street from us that was selling was some kind of school fundraiser, and they had comic subscriptions. And my mom knew we loved Star Wars, so she bought us a sub- subscription to Star the Star Wars Monthly. So. We ended up starting it at like issue eight or something like that and got, you know, whatever, I guess 12 issues of it. And uh, and I remember in the in the mid 80s, after the run had stopped because it had gone so out of favor, I remember the mile high ads in the comics at the time because I was reading the X-Men. And you could get like whole big runs of that Star Wars series from Marvel for like nothing. I mean, it was yep. like super cheap. They were like. I think they were less than cover. Like you could get them for like, I don't know, 50, 45, 50 cents a piece. And I ordered like as many as I could get. And, and it, you know, back in those days there was no, you know, when they printed it in the comic, that was the inventory. So if somebody put their order in before you, you may not get what you wanted. So we didn't get every issue we wanted, but they based, they gave us different ones. So like if we wanted issue, I don't know, 32 to 50, you know, they gave us like 32 and then, you know, missing some in the middle. And then we get like issue 65 or something like that. Um, and then I think it was right before um, Phantom Menace came out. And those Marvel issues went through the roof. Like even they've kind of leveled back off now again. But most of those those mid-range issues were like going for like five, six bucks a pop when they were like 50 cent books forever. Um and, my, and the, the early ones I have are still just like in kind of ratty condition and all, but but yeah, again, it was just like devour everything Star Wars, and that was that was part of it. The other thing I remember with it is it was one of the first like VHS tapes that came out. I mean, like you know, back when you had to rent them, like 
I remember everybody was like, well, you want to buy it? And it's like, no, I think it was, you know, to buy Star Wars on videotape. Like and, bucks, yeah, it? in the early 80s was like at least 100 bucks. Wow. And, you want uh, to buy that or go to school and eat every day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it but was I a remember, CBS Fox box. I'll never forget yeah. that that yeah. box and what it looked like. It was, I, I rented it at least 50 times. I had to. I have one on my shelf right now. There yeah, was okay. A, there was a friend of ours that lived two doors down when we were in Chicago. And he knew, like, knew somebody that knew somebody kind of thing. And he ended up getting a bootleg copy of it. So, like, you know, he knew somebody that had a VHS to dub it. And so we, he, had, he had a dub copy of Star Wars. And there was one summer, I, I kid you not, when we were off for the summer, we literally, me and my brother would go over to his house. And then we'd, we'd fire up Star Wars in the morning. We'd watch Star Wars and then go do and play whatever. And the next day we'd come over and do the same thing. We watched that movie every day for, like, the entire summer. <laughs> on the uh, the proud day that the Deeds family bought their first VCR, my dad graciously allowed all of us said each one of us get to get one movie. So, my dad got Smoking the Bandit, good movie, of course. good movie. My oh. sister got Grease, also pretty good. I got Star Wars. Living in John. I think my first, first one was huge. The, the I remember uh, the first VCR, the top loader. Had Top loader, come yeah, on, man. So yeah, you know. Top loader, and it had the wire. <laughs> With the dials? The, the long wire for the remote. Oh, you had a remote on a wire. Oh, I yeah, know exactly what you're talking remote. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you oh. have the dials? Like, where you had the knobs like a TV where you changed the channel to tune it? No, it just had, like, the buttons on the remote that you just pushed to, like, the forward. <laughs> it was just weird. It was like this, this metal little thing, and then you press it. It looked like the beds. Like the old beds in a hospital, where you <laughs> do the controls, stuff <laughs> like that. It was I remember, so I remember weird. ours had like the buttons very much like a cassette recorder, where you had to like click it down. You had to push it down until you heard, you know, click. You had to oh, yeah. push it. Yeah, and it was so loud. They were loud. Yeah, it you was heard scary. Everything inside that, like and, you tried to sneak and watch it when you're supposed to be in bed, <laughs> right? I heard everything. She had a dust cover. Like, did it have a dust cover? Oh yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You spent eight hundred bucks on the thing. You want to protect your investment? I mean, come uh, on. <laughs> I had to put this big cover over it. We had to put. I remember I had to put this big, and it was like it was vinyl like in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Just like trying to cover the entire thing. <laughs> thing. You know, you just brought me back there. I remember with the cable boxes back then. You probably remember this too. They had a wire on them as well. Remember that the actual yeah. Like the, well, we, yeah. In Queens, we didn't. They we didn't have the thing for the. It took forever for us to get the um, to build in your neighborhood. Remember, you didn't oh, have. Okay. If they didn't put the wires in, and you're on your block, you couldn't get cable. So it was like wow. it was in Long Island. It was in different. Like I had my cousins. Some of my cousins had it. That was like but, a whole new world. Yeah. You see oh cable my TV gosh, man. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is amazing. You guys are just living in the future. Like this. HBO, what is that? What is I'm that? Saying, you got more than five channels? Yeah. Out of here. You mean you can watch a show and you don't have to be home when it's on? <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Get about it. Well, that was scary, too. Talking about, talking about VCR recording, that was scary. Those timers and stuff, I mean, you never knew if you said it right. If you didn't hit the timer button, it wouldn't record. And Yeah, those were... Yeah, that was like trying to hook it up to the TV. That was like rocket science. Was, <laughs> yeah, I had to have an engineering degree for it. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know nothing about that. But I, 
I just had to wait for it to come on and then just press the button down and then record it that way. Yeah. You never set the clock either. It would just flash. It's always blinking. Ooh, Ooh, 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock. It was ridiculous what you had to do. You had to, uh, to put this wire here, turn this knob this way. And... You needed a screwdriver. You had to yes. yeah. unscrew the, the, put the little ends in there. and Like a jeweler yeah. screwdriver, a little small one, a little yeah. baby one. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, you look at the instructions, you're like, you know what? We Forget it. We're just uh, going to watch it. We're just going to rent stuff and watch it that way. But listen, somehow we survived. You know, it, 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 it got us through a whole decade, pretty much, that kind of technology. And it, it, it gave us the ability to watch these movies at home, which we never had before. I mean, before the well, 80s. Well, we did have, yeah, it's true, because what we did have was we could, like, you tell people now, there was a time where you could sit in a movie theater and watch the same movie five or six times. Yeah. Like, people don't believe you when you say that now, but I, there was a time. I think that I was... That was like the first movie, too, that I think was like that, where people would see it over and over and over again. Like, you know, you'd never heard before that of of people going to a movie and just seeing it, you know, many, many, many times. Yeah, Superman was another one where people were doing that a lot. They were just sitting there over and over and over again. Because I remember doing it. <laughs> I remember sitting there all day. You could actually do that all day if you wanted to. So maybe. I have to spend uh, spend my pension just to go to see a movie and take somebody, and then you got to leave right away. Yeah, yeah. Or like get out. I remember the first time they told us to get out, where you couldn't stay in the yeah movie yeah. theater. I was heartbroken then. I was like, I just thought it, it must be just this movie theater, right? It couldn't, it couldn't <laughs> be everywhere. Classic uh, time. So well, we, we better we better bring it back to Star Wars before we start talking about trying to watch scrambled channels. To see yeah, yeah. R-rated movies. <laughs> yeah. <and> R-rated. <laughs> is that a leg? <laughs> that could be a boob. <laughs> it could be. Or an elbow. Either way. <laughs> if you find out it's Red Fox or something, you're like, oh, man. Well, I mean, bringing it back to Star Wars, I was just thinking, as you guys were talking about all the fun merchandise, which I didn't have, but um, how George Lucas did a really good job casting this movie i mean there's something about when you cast a movie and you get it right or a tv show but namely mm. this movie it's something magical happens and he definitely got it right with mark hamill fisher and and harrison ford and of course the droids too incidentally i mean really the whole the whole cast and, and of course alec guinness just a really really good job and that, that set the stage for for really three excellent movies Oh, yeah, you could feel the frustration of, as a kid, you know, like your uncle, like you have a chance to go somewhere and, and to leave and, and go on adventures, and your uncle is just telling you, you can't go. You have to wait another year. <laughs> like, you could, you know, you get it. Like, you you know, yeah. having those scenes up there, you get it. Like, you're sitting there with Luke going, I hate right. you, man. <laughs> you're trying to keep me from having my fun. It's only another season. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I was going to go to Tasha Station and get some power converters. Doesn't Mark Hamill always joke about that whenever he he, he signs that on certain things? Right. I've heard at Comic Cons he'll go oh, from yeah. Tashi Station. Okay. Yeah. He yeah. does that. He must have heard so much about that over the years. I mean, couldn't even. But it, it and it's funny because that movie asks so many questions that it just you know it's like. Who are the Jedi? Like, what are they? What you know? What's what's their deal? You know, you talk about ooh, what's this Clone Wars? And oh, Kenobi was a general, and you know, it, it was just like, you, you know, what's the story with these droids? Like, 
you start a movie and 30 minutes into it, you don't even see the main character. You know, you start off right away with this crazy space battle and then you get these, these droids come. I mean, it was just like, it, it just broke every convention for how to, in a lot of ways, for how to tell a story. What was under those stormtrooper uh, armor? I remember, yeah. like, it, you drove me nuts. Like, I wanted to know, like, yeah. were, were there people under? Like, I thought they were robots at first. And so I thought, <laughs> how can they fit their heads in those helmets, you know, when they when they take the armor? I'm thinking, well, how can they fit in there? They, they must have ripped out all the circuitry. To be able to to use the armor like that, but it really, I really wanted to know. Like I thought they were all because the way they fell, it was so mechanical yeah. that it didn't look like they were human. Why can't Chewbacca pronounce his own name? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and then you know, George Lucas. Obviously, we could talk about the special editions and what he did to the this movie. I I'm not that hung up on it, quite honestly. The what he did. So much. Uh, there are a lot of fans out there, especially on YouTube. Man, you can sit there and watch for hours. People <laughs> complaining about the special editions. I, and, I mean, yeah, Han jerking to the left is funny. Greedo shot first. It doesn't make a difference. I, I, it's okay. I mean, I, it doesn't bother me so much. No, um, it makes a difference. No, it makes a difference. No, hold, it makes hold, a difference. Hold, hold on, hold on. It makes a no, stop. Back here. Okay. And shot. In your grill. First. Hold on. I, I want to shot first. <laughs> Let me clarify. And Let me clarify. It's important to establish that he's a scoundrel, that he's a, he's kind of like an outlaw, that he's kind of a badass. And that totally establishes it that he shot first. He shot first, that he went back and changed it and softened it up is stupid. Yes, I agree. See, I, I, I see what you're saying. And, and to me, though, I watched that VHS tape more than I've ever watched the special edition. So in my mind... He always shot and only shot, and that was it. It wasn't. It wasn't even an issue. Yeah, he it's could like, never you know, change your mind. I'm like he could. It, it's funny because as much as Lucas is hung up on changing your perception, yeah, you will never change the the, the you know that I know that Han shot first. You're never going to change that in my mind. In my mind, I'm always going to remember that Han shot first, no matter how many times you put in an article and you 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 complain about that this does this or it takes away from him being. A hero and all this kind of stuff. Listen, he's a scoundrel. It's fine. Yeah, that's how he was presented in that movie. He's a hero yet, right? Because he's ready to take his credits and run before the the run. He's like, I'm going to get my credits and get out of here. You know, he's not a hero. And his journey like he shot a good guy. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And him for him to shoot Greedo, it shows that he's that you know he's not a hero. He's a mercenary. He's as he yeah. says, a scoundrel. A scoundrel, yeah. And, and Greedo was pointing a gun to his head. If we want to really delve into this, he was really? being threatened. So at that yeah. point, exactly. I mean, you know, it's not like he did it. But I guess what I was trying to say was before I opened that can of worms is that he didn't tinker so so much with this one with Star Wars, Star Wars. I won't call it what it's called Star Wars as he did with the other two. Uh, namely Return of the Jedi. He really messed with that one a lot. You know, the whole sequence with Jabba's Palace and all that. So, you know, it really wasn't as noticeable, his changes, unless you like, you know, the dinosaurs and stuff walking around most icely and, you know, kind of the other goofy stuff. I think what he did was kind of just enhance it. The gravity, the the visuals look a lot better and things of that nature. But people get really hung up on that stuff, man. It's like, you know, I I, I just find it distracting. I don't get mad about it. I just... If I'm watching it, like, say I'm, I, I'm flipping around on channels and it's on, I'm like, oh, okay, Star Wars. And I'll watch it, and then I'll see, like, 
you know, a Bantha walk through the shot while they're pulling up into Mouse Eisley and, you know, in front of it. Yeah, you all see the butt. action, you know, you're just like looking at Bantha butt for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, you know, I mean, it's just, I find it distracting and kind of annoying more than I get like mad about it. And, you know, um, thankfully I have the v- the unaltered on VHS and I also have a, um, um, a, a DVD burn of the Japanese version, uh, that came out, I think with, uh, uh, Phantom Menace that is unenhanced. Uh, Lucas so. is a weird cat. Uh, yeah, like he is. He, he, the things that go through his head and learning about how, you know, bad his childhood was, I guess I can understand why he could be strange like that. I mean, it's. And yet when he was younger, he led the charge against film restoration. Like when they had the whole yeah. thing, Turner Wayne to colorize all those movies. Um, you know, some more people would watch them and ostensibly Lucas is like, no, you can't alter these things, you know, and then like But a lot of actors, later, a lot of lot of filmmakers, a lot of actors are that way like, you're young, when you're young, you think of all that, you know you're innovative, you you know, like you stand with the you know, the creator and you you don't tamper with things and you, you artistic teg- integrity and all that kind of stuff but <laughs> when you live long enough you start to you know, you get more conservative, you change up your thoughts, and it's amazing when you look back on, on how filmmakers were back then and then how they are now. Now it's like, ah, digital. This, you know, like some of them are just, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. The people that they complain about, like the filmmakers now that some of them will complain about, you go back and find articles of them back then, you sound just like that person. Hmm. Yeah, but, but that's know, just the way it is. Yeah, well, if you're going to change a movie, you would expect it to change it for better. And I, I think in Star Wars, one of the worst changes, at least for me, was uh, the, the addition of Jabba and, and him walking. That was the worst. Oh, it yeah. like crap. The it, worst. I mean, how, how could you do that? It was a deleted no, I, scene I, I, for I, a reason. That scene needed to be deleted. It, 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 it just didn't even fit with the movie after it was all said and done. And they, he jammed it in there. In that special edition. It had no place being it's in It's almost there. like a child took over his well, body. It's like, it's like I did the movie. <laughs> that <scene>. yeah. <laughs> you're you're a wonderful human being. Yeah, thanks. I um, I mean, yeah, I think the only thing that the annoyed me the most, the biggest change was uh, adding Hayden Christensen at the end of Return of the Jedi. Oh, that, See, was... that didn't bother me. That didn't oh bother man, that was me. the worst. That was really? the worst. For the me. worst. I, like, uh, I can do without that. Like, See, I mean, we, we can talk about this in return. My problem was the whole Jabba scene uh, where he changed the whole music and that lady with the lips that come up. Oh, I hated that. Yeah, oh that, man, that sucked as well. Yeah, come on, man. That was just out of control. What was wrong with the old music? And the I same, the, broke a TV one time looking you, at that. Yeah, and the other part was, again, we were talking about Return of the Jedi, but uh, the end music as well. They changed that. What was yeah. wrong with the original one that John Williams did? Why does he have to redo all that? It's like, Save it. Save it. That's it. <laughs> Save it. Next two, two episodes from I, now. I like <laughs> I mean, I, I'm in the camp of, like, most of the stuff they changed, I... I actually think was for the better. Not all of it, but but there was a lot of it. I mean, I think adding the stuff to Moss Eisley, I think was a was a was a good improvement. I think you know the way they redid the Millennium Falcon taking off from Moss Eisley. I, I think I think it added enough character. I think that the changes they made to the battle at the end to kind of populate things a little more, you know, because that battle, you know, looked very small scale. Um, yeah. I'm not crazy about the ring explosion they did on. Uh, on the Death Star, that that was like an ILM thing. Like they right. they were just like obsessed with 
the if ring. there's an explosion, we gotta we gotta have like this shock wave come out of it. And because the, the first time I remember them doing it was Star Trek Six. Yeah, when when the, when the when moon Praxis, blew up, yeah, Praxis right. exploded. It, it it had the ring, and they did, they did all the ILM did the effects for Star Trek Six. And uh, and so then when they redid that, they they added that in there. And I mean, it, it's kind of cool, but I mean, there's something about that practical explosion they did for, um, yeah, you know, for the original that just kind of adds some some charm to it. But I, like I said, I think most of the stuff they they I I like the little things that are subtle. You know that mm-hmm. you know I think Empire is probably the best example, and we'll get to it next time. But of of changes that I think. Were, were for the better right um, but yeah i think some of it he just went overboard and I, I, part of me thinks that some of it was he wanted to push the envelope and needed a place to do this to prove that he could do it you know like okay if i can do all this and it and it works then because you know at this point he was full bore on the prequel so it's like okay you know a new you know enhancing star wars is going to be my first step towards what i plan to do with this new movie so well it's so weird that he it's like it's like he failed like he it's the way he worked on these movies you know like he kept fiddling with it and whatnot it was almost like the movies were failures and now you're trying to fix it when they weren't like the love that these films have to the point where People are angry at the person who was the creator of these of this world because <laughs> that is the weird. The relationship between Lucas and 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 fans is so funny to look at. Like it's just there are not many relationships like that with with the filmmaker and 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 whatnot. When yeah, there was a whole documentary that People versus George Lucas all about. Yeah. But, I mean, the technology exists to put both copies of a movie on a disc. It's existed for the last, what, 15, 20 years? I mean, you could, okay, you could play the original theatrical version or play the special edition, but that he refused to give the fans what they wanted, the original theatrical edition. And the technology was there to do it very easily. He had that. It's funny because he almost had an emperor-like thought process of, (laughs) I want you to see it the way that I want you to see it. Doesn't matter what you want. This is what I want. I will take away any way I will, you know, take away any chance you have of seeing it the other way because I don't want that vision. I don't like it anymore. I want it gone, and I only want this one vision, and that's it. And it's like the holiday special never existed. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so weird. he is so weird with that. Even the way that he is kind of like yeah when they when they. <laughs> When people are happy about The Force Awakens, it, it's almost like uh, he's mad that people yeah. are excited for more Star Wars. It's like, dude, you did like you did this. It's not like people are going to think of J.J. Abrams as the creator of Star Wars. You're always going to be the one that built this thing first. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. Like, um, remember, uh, I, don't, I know you saw the documentary, Daryl Chaos on the Bridge, where they're talking about yes. how Gene Roddenberry was like Similar holding on thing. for dear life. I watched was, that last night. You told me about it. That was hilarious. Yeah. But the and only difference with like, that is... I mean, they interviewed George Lucas recently, and he was like, well, you know, that's not what I was going to do if I was going to make the next Star Wars movies. You know, blah, 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 right. blah. Uh, you sounded almost like... The only, the, difference I, the only difference with Roddenberry is... He never had the luxury of Star Trek being as big as it was back then. He had a long time of nothing. Like, 
the show was a failure. Yeah. And yeah. then he was living off the grid. He was living off of, you know, like, uh, uh, memories, like just the embers of that, of those shows. Well, barely and, surviving. And Lucas didn't have a problem with alcohol and drugs that we're aware of. <laughs> so. Right. And then you add that. You, 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 like, Lucas, he, from the time Star Wars was out, he, there was no such thing as failure for him, uh, for this. This was a hit. Like, this was, this yeah. was huge. Like, he didn't have that period of time of suffering and then trying to, you know, build it up again. He never had a failure in the, in the movie theaters like that. Like, he never had, he never had something where a Star Trek, I mean, a Star Wars movie came out and it was, uh, it was a box office failure or anything like that. Like, he didn't have to worry about that type of stuff to the point where he doesn't do much. Like, like, I wonder, Lucas always talks about he would, he wanted to do, uh, small budget films again, or he wanted, he never does. He always talks about it, but he never, do. it's almost like he's scared to fail. Yeah. And you, I mean, no matter what happens, you, you're always going to be the winner. I mean, you, <laughs> I mean, look at how Yeah, but also whatever out. happens, he's going to get scrutinized. Like, say you go yes. Yes, little totally. experimental films like he did in college or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No matter what, he, he could film, you know, uh, make a movie of a monkey washing a cat for yeah. an hour. Totally. And, like, people are going to scrutinize it. People are going to like, oh, it's yeah. George Lucas' latest movie. You know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And everything. And, you know, what I would, I guess the point I was making was, you know, Roddenberry was holding on to Star Trek for dear life because it's all he had left. Yeah. You know, and then, yeah. whereas Lucas was holding He's on to it. three billion dollars. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to, to go sit on and, and you know and console himself with you it's, know, it's, whereas Lucas walked away from it and gave yeah. it to other people and turned it over, unlike Roddenberry. But now it's kind of kind of sour. It seems kind of sour grapesy about it, like you were saying. Well, it's sad in a way that it's almost like he hears his father tell him he's a failure, even after he succeeds in things. Yeah, it's like it's always in the back of his when he does interviews. It's always like he's talking to his dad. Wow. Like, it's always like he's talking to somebody that, that says he's not, you know, like he's a failure or whatever. The way that he feels he has to explain explain himself about stuff. It's Listen, is the movie I wanted to do, pre- people didn't like the prequels. Hey, it's the movie I wanted to do, you know, let it go. I mean, it, it's not a big, it still made a hell of a lot of money. Uh, oh, yeah. For three films that we all, you know, kind of, we had problems with, but we still went to go see them multiple <laughs> like, times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's it's his his psyche, but I mean, it's just it's kind of sad in a way how his psyche. It's almost like the, every time people talk about the Force Awakens, I can un, I can even see him when the movie does really well in the theaters and people talk about how much they like it. It's he feels like the way he talks about it. He, it's like he feels you're kicking him in the gut or or throwing dirt on all the other movies before that. When it was those three movies that is the reason why we're all excited to see these, you know, the new ones. We yeah. want to see the continuation of these of these people, the legacy of the Skywalkers and all of that, and and the world he built. Like we want to see that, but you, he doesn't see it. Like even. With all the money and all the the praise he's gotten, you know, for so many years, all he hears is the stuff we don't like. And it's amazing that all of, and I really, all of the fan hate 
could be wiped away if he just released the original editions, the theatrical editions with his new special editions. I mean, that's the only reason the fans hate him for the most part. Put the prequels aside. All right, yeah, mm-hmm. they had their, they had major problems. We talked about them at length over right. the last three episodes, but just he just keeps refusing to give the fans what they want, and that's well, why they hate him. It's out of his hands now. I mean, well, now, now it is. Not, not now thing. it is. Yes. Yeah. Now Disney. it's the problem with it. Now is it's now it's more complex because Fox owns the rights to mm-hmm. Star Wars, and Disney owns the rights to Empire and Jedi and 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 the prequels. So now it gets trickier with with how you cut that deal um, yeah. because it's it's not as straightforward. But and they're not going to work together. Well, they'll pay. No, you know, money solves a lot of hate. You know, a lot of problems in the. You know, Disney wants to buy the rights for CBS for the, for the, to release Star Wars again on it, 4K, you know, Blu-ray. They'll do it. If we got Batman 66, I That's have hope. That's exactly what I was going to say. They'll figure this out. <laughs> yeah, we finally got Batman 66 would've... after all those years. But it's funny. You think they would have did it already? Like I don't. I, I, don't I, I think they're just waiting until they can milk it one more time. Like. You know, the, the Blu-rays came out, and it's like, okay, this is a way to get them to buy it again. Now they're doing the steel books. Okay, now we can do it again. Now the new movies will come out, so there's a whole new batch of stuff. I, I don't know if they're waiting for 4K or what, but I think they're just waiting for their moment where it's like it's a good time to be able to milk them one more time for it. And I, I think it'll happen. You, know, you can whether hear it. You can hear it for the first time ever in yeah. high definition. Oh, the original it. theatrical editions of Star Wars. You can you can hear the voiceover right now. You know? Especially when those three <laughs> films are done and then they they put yeah. all six to, together. Uh, I mean, I all um, all nine, yeah, nine. nine together. I, yeah. I remember the billboards back before the special editions. Before the special editions were announced, I guess it was maybe ninety five ish. Maybe it was Christmas ninety five. The billboards were own it. Own it for the last time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. and everybody was like, "Oh, come on!" Like you, you like he's not going to find a way to re-release this yet again. And and th- that was the whole bit. It was like that was the last release of the theatrical versions before yeah. they. That's before the they set that the I had. It was, it was a three VHS box set, yeah. or they sold them individually too. Yeah, but that's that's the one I had, and and yeah, it was it was the, with the Darth Vader was on the face of one of the tapes, yep. and Stormtrooper was another one. Yoda, exactly, Yoda, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that was. was a, I mean, that was a thing Disney used to do too. They said you know they would put it back in the Disney vault, you know, never to be put on VHS again. You know, oh, that's true. They did that. Like Cinderella won't be out for twenty years or something, right. and then they'll bring it right. back out. Yeah, that's true. So, some of us have ha- have kids, Glenn. I, Glenn, I'm curious to you know. It's funny because, as you know, the, like my kids are older. So when the special editions came out, and we talked about this before, I took them to see those as they released in the special editions, but, and, and they were old enough to where they, I, we watched the originals before the prequels came out. And so Glenn, for your kids, did you show them like how, what, like, was it just kind of willy nilly? Did they kind of catch it as catch can? Did you specifically sit down and show them like, okay, we're watching star Wars first and then we're watching empire. Or did they watch the prequels first or. Yeah. My, my younger one, uh, he's seven. Uh, in fact, I posted this on, <laughs> on Facebook. I, I, I hadn't done my fatherly duty and, and exposed them to it, I guess, early enough. But um, I, I, uh, I sat down and we watched all, all well, uh, four, five, and six. And we watched uh, seven and eight. And we really haven't watched, I'm sorry, not seven and eight, but one and two. But we haven't really watched three because uh, I didn't really want them to see that last scene yet. You know, with uh, the. Oh, yeah, that's a little, that's a little intense. Up. Uh, but he loved it, and uh, he's, I mean, we already have our, 
you know, our tickets to the next one, though. Uh, I did ask when we went to go see uh, the good dinosaur. I guess last week, and on the way there, I said, "So, Noah, if 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 the good dinosaur was out and uh, Star Wars was out, which one would you want to go to?" And he said, "The good dinosaur." And I said, "You're not my son. <laughs> 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 We're going to have to find your mom and find out who the hell's kid you are." But, uh, <laughs> but you know, he's 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 excited about it, and he he, he loves it. I mean, we got so many. Uh, you know, it's Star Wars Lego stuff around this house, and he, he just, he loves playing with it. So, he, you know, he's really excited. The older one, that one was more willy-nilly. Uh, he would watch it when we would watch it, and then um, 4, 5, and 6, he kind of, you know, watched on his own. But, uh, you know, as a family, we're, you know, we've got all our tickets to this next movie, and we're, we're stoked. It, it happens to open on my birthday, so that's, that's even better. So I told him, that's my birthday present from you guys. We're all going to go. That's great. And it's nice to be able to do that as a family nowadays. You know, there's not a lot of stuff you can do that with. You know, I I love the, you know, the animated stuff. But, you know, I'd like to take him to see something that's more live action. And, and, you know, there's a nice story behind it. And, you know, it's sci-fi and, you know, all the special effects. But but a decent, you know, story. And I really believe that this next one is just going to be absolutely amazing. I mean, from everything that I have seen. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to it, and it's you know it'll be the first time uh, we will go as a family and just uh, enjoy it. What about you, Jim? I know you you're kind of starting to expose your your little ones. My uh, kids are four and two, and I have I have like a bin of toys in my office here that they can play with, and they like to play with the Star Wars toys. Um, my daughter's four; she's kind of right on the cusp of being able to watch. Star Wars, but she's very interested in it because I am. You know, she knows the characters' names already, and uh, you know, she <clears throat> she has uh, she um, we have pictures of her dressed as Princess Leia when she was like two uh, for Halloween. So, but um, she's going her whole own, own geeky direction now with uh, with Tiny Titans and, and My Little Pony and stuff. But I think in a year, another year or two, she'll probably be old enough for for you know, Star Wars. The original. I just think some of the the violence might be a little intense for her. She gets scared kind of easily. Yeah, that's we're kind of in that same boat. My son and I with with my grandson. He's four, and he, but he watches a lot of clips and stuff. But he he loves right. the bad guys. It's funny. He loves the like Vader's his favorite. Period, period. Bar none. And Kylo Ren is like a close second. For a long time, it was it was Darth Maul. But he he's attracted to the villains. I'm not sure what that means, but uh, <laughs> but well, but they have attract- the cool outfits. Though. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So he, he All about loves, the accessories. He loves a villain. So my my son, same thing with my son. He hasn't really sat him down to watch uh, the movies, and part of it just because he he's four and I don't think he'll sit there. Um, but he watches a lot of. Uh, he'll he'll pull up like clips on YouTube and stuff like that, and and uh, and and just kind of show him you know just the, kind of the high points. So he's he's pretty much seen them all. Um, you know, kind of the the action bits and stuff. Although for some reason he loves in Return of the Jedi when Luke. My my son told me this. He said it's just this. He said it's the weirdest thing. In Jedi, when Luke and Vader are just sitting there talking, like before they go up to meet the Emperor on the he's bridge, like, me- yeah, yeah, he's mesmerized by that scene. Like he I will just, just sit there and want to watch it over and over and over again. You know, it's funny. It's one of my favorite scenes too. I mean, I, I we won't spoil. It. We'll get to that movie when we get to it. But yeah. it's because he's just talking. He's being a human almost, and that, that's what makes it interesting. Yeah. So anyway, so it's just kind of funny, but uh, but yeah, it's just it's it's amazing that. Um, you know, here we are 
38 years later and and you know this is 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 become such a resurgence you know it's it it almost feels like it's the late 70s again because i mean there was a lot of buzz on the prequels but i don't remember it being like this like i don't remember i i mean i don't rem- i mean the last time i remember like the world being taken by storm by star wars was the originals i mean just where you know it was on the news and the talk shows and magazines and and everything else to the degree that it is it is now the movie looks epic and the way that they're marketing it is epic so yes they are set to have i think the largest box office of any movie it's going to break records let's just put it that way when when this thing comes out it's going to shatter records whether it's good or not it's going to blow it away i think it's going to be great but we don't know and it the other thing i remember was i i remember feeling depressed as a, as a small kid, I was I was probably what ET came out in what eighty two was ET was ET eighty two yeah I think so eighty one eighty two yeah it was, I think it was eighty or eighty one eighty two yeah, yeah. Okay. when when ET passed Star Wars up at the box office I was oh, like heartbroken as I a was kid. too <laughs> I was like are you kidding me this movie's <laughs> terrible like I was like I didn't I I am not a fan of ET I just I, I wasn't either when I was a kid you know what I loved Loves Encounters when I was a kid. I thought yeah. that was awesome. And yeah. I'm like, oh wow! And Spielberg's doing another movie about aliens. It's going to be great, and uh, I can't wait to check it out. And yeah. Well, see, it's funny. I watched that movie as a kid, and I loved ET. Well, yeah, I mean, like that, older than you, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I was. I mean, I watched it on tape. Obviously, I didn't see it in the theaters, but I was maybe three or four years, five years after it came out, and I'm watching it at home. And I just, I love that movie. I couldn't get enough. The Reese's Pieces. I wanted all that stuff, man. It was great. Loved it. And well, it, it was a great movie. It, you know, it's just that Star Wars was that first one. It's, you know, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and you don't want something to beat it. You know, yeah. no matter how 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 good it is. I mean, you just thought that was going to be the number one movie forever. Like nothing was ever going to surpass it. You know, you had no concept of, uh, you know, inflation or you know adjusted dollars or anything like that. You're like, there's no movie that's ever going to beat this. Like people were lined up around the block like three times. You're never going to see that again. And, uh, and I, yeah, I remember like maybe a year or two after Star Wars came out, reading this little like blurb in Starlog magazine about how Lucas was teaming up with Spielberg on this super secret new movie called Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> and like that, we all we knew was the title. They had no, you know, they didn't even I didn't even know it was a period piece until it came out. Nothing. I mean, it's pre-internet, obviously, but but it was funny because at the time, I guess you know the big thing was in Variety. They would always one up each other, so. When when Spiel when ET passed uh, Star Wars up at the box office, Lucas took a full page ad on Variety, and I think it was it was C three PO passing the crown to um, to ET or or something like that. And then when the special editions came out, it it pa- it leapfrogged it again because technically it was the same movie. So the box office kind of restarted or it didn't restart it; it added two, and so Star Wars overtook ET again. And then Spielberg did the same thing. Like it was like I think it was a crown. It was ET passing the crown to R two or something <laughs> like that. And then along comes Titanic and beats it. And Lucas did the same thing. He took an ad out for for um, for, for for in Variety to to congratulate James Cameron. Which okay. now that pissed me off. The yes. Titanic one. I was livid with that one. It's like how the hell could this be? Yeah, crap? exactly. <laughs> Don't underestimate the power of the teenage girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> true. True that. But yeah, it was just hilarious, and I think I think this is is going to take it back. But I mean, it, it's funny when you look at like I'm looking at Box Office Mojo, 
and in adjusted dollars, uh, Gone with the Wind is number one, and mm-hmm. Star Wars is number two. And you know uh, the adjusted dollars, which is mind-boggling. You know, when we talk about blockbusters and a movie making a billion dollars worldwide is is a is a crowning achievement. I mean, in adjusted dollars, Star Wars is sitting at one point four billion, and that's just domestic. That's right. domestic adjusted gross. I mean, you figure a movie that old, how many tickets could it, you know, must it have sold to to be at that level? It's it's just crazy. Well, teenage girls buy things a lot of things. Yeah. So, um, I mean, having a movie coming out that that that. You know, pretty much focuses more. You know, like focuses on a on a teenage. Well, I don't know if she's a teenage girl, but a young woman. It was a love story, Daryl. It was a you, love story. You're right, right. And uh, that, yeah, that, Billy that, Zane, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Man. So I always thought that was funny. So. I guess we've been rapping for a while. Is anybody get anybody closing thoughts? Anybody else got anything they that we want to talk about that we missed glossed over? I just want to say it's one of the best movies. I mean, I, in my I've ever seen, and it's still to this day. I, I watched it two days ago in preparation for this podcast, and it still holds up. It still holds up. I mean, it, it, it's just a great movie, it, just from start to finish. It really is good, and and they haven't been able to recapture. That 100%, that magic that was on that set, to this day, they still haven't been able to, been able to do it. But uh, it, it's just a great movie, and, uh, and I love watching it every time I do. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing how um, something like this, this, this movie, this film, can just hit on so many cylinders and last this long. And people with more money, more, more of a budget, still can't repeat that. Yeah, like they still yeah. can't capture it, and I, it's even Lucas can't recapture it. You know, yeah. like he can't even do it because it just—it's <laughs> just, it's just it's something when it's something about when the time is right, when everything is, you know, set it's up. It's like a viral video, right? You can't make yeah. a viral video. A mm. viral a video becomes viral. You know, yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's you can't force it. It just happens. Yeah, totally. Do you think, and this is a little off topic and I, I know we, we've gone a little long, so I don't want to, I don't want to belabor it too much, but it, it's funny, you know, if everything seems to be kind of cyclical. Do you think it, given what the force awakens does and, and a lot of what JJ is doing is because of his love for this movie and for, and for empire and Jedi, do you think with this one, if it if it's as big of a success as we're pretty certain it's going to be, do you think we're going to start to see filmmakers go backwards, like starting to say, you know what, maybe CG isn't everything. Maybe we should build more practical sets, maybe less green screen, you know, more makeup and puppets, and and we're going to start to kind of see maybe a little bit of inversion. I think you <laughs> might see a you little have. bit, and so, yeah, yeah, there's doing some Christopher people Nolan, are man. doing it. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. No yeah. one really hates using uh, uh, digital in any way and go, tries to do everything practical if you can. Um, I think I think with all the overuse of digital in the early aughts or whatever, there's kind of a backlash now in filmmaking going the other way. Even even right. Zack Snyder was saying the other day how he's using less digital in Superman v, or Batman v Superman than he did in Watchmen or one of those. 
Plus, with the rise and and budgets of just films in general, I think there's going to be a ten, they're going to kind of be a a, a pull back to uh, doing things a little more cheaply and and more uh, more of an intimate movie as opposed to even if it's, it's science fiction or a bigger studio. I think they're just going to try to pull back on some of that. I think the actors give you a better performance when they're actually acting with something. And again, watching those documentaries from uh, the first prequels, they're, they're totally. acting against nothing. It's the green wall. It's a blue mm-hmm. wall. The actors can't give you everything. But when you right. give them an actual set that looks dirty, that has like the dust, Jim, you said lived in, absolutely lived in, mm-hmm. you're going to get a better performance. It's going to be a better movie. And it, it, it's worth it to do that. So, yeah, I think there is going to be a balancing of, of, of CG versus practical old school special effects set building. It's definitely coming back around. Yes. Yeah. I'm all for it. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, I guess that about does it. So, uh, thanks everybody for listening and we'll be back soon, uh, to talk about the empire strikes back and then return to the Jedi and wrap everything up, uh, in anticipation for, the Force Awakens, which at this point is 15 days away. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> but yeah, so check out hhwlod.com uh, and keep an eye on the Facebooks uh, where we'll be posting all this stuff up. And uh, get the next episode. <laughs>